Hey guys, um, a bit of a solemn start, unfortunately, today, but we, uh, we've we actually already recorded the entire podcast, and as we jumped off, uh, jumped onto social media, we saw that there's a bit of an issue floating around concerning our recent hire post. Um, as some of you may know, we are currently hiring here at Event Hubs, and if you look at the requirements section for this, we're actually asking that people that apply would be willing to play a set of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate with one of our staff writers here, simply because Ultimate is, well, currently the best-selling fighting game of all time now and very relevant to what we're doing. And, um, well, Twitter has shown us the error of our ways. We didn't realize it, but it's actually a, a really bad move for us to ask this of someone because I don't know why. Why are people so upset about this? I, I, I don't... We're getting blown up right now hilariously for having this requirement, and I, and I don't understand it. I don't know why this is a thing. I, I had such a hell of a time keeping a straight face. I had to mute my <laughs> microphone while you were reading that. <laughs> I, I, I'm just blown away. I seriously can't even believe that people are upset about this. Like, and I'll, I mean, for, for full transparency here, like we thought this would get people talking. It's why we called it Settle It in Smash, because, you know, the marketing campaign for Smash oh, sure. 4, right? Um, but we didn't think it would be something that would get people talking like, what is this a requirement? It's like, Really? And, and just a little backstory here. Um, when we've actually done this in the past, like numerous times, uh, it's not the first time. Um, but when we were talking about these positions, like back in the day, we're like, what if we get someone in here and we're like, they can't even throw a fireball? Right. Like, like they are like and they don't know what a cross up is and stuff like 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 you have to be able to display like competent knowledge, like at a base level to know, like, you know, and like, what if your internet connection doesn't even work? Right. You say, Hey, I have, have a good internet connection. Uh, obviously our job is like almost entirely online. Right. Um, so stuff like this, like I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. I don't have words for this, John. Yeah, Help me I, out here. I, I did it when I was, uh, applying for the job of four years ago or so i had to play dream king in a set uh, in street fighter 4 and again these uh, hold on hold on hold on who, who won that set anyway oh i won that yeah, set that's why i'm hired obviously because <laughs> we're not going to hire the person if they don't beat us right no i that's that's very much not why we, we do it it's to show that you have an understanding of what it is you're going to write about and, and i just i'll jump in there and say i think i beat everyone that i played that um applied for it and they still you know still obviously hired plenty of people it doesn't really matter the outcome so much as just displaying the knowledge. But anyway. So like I said earlier, we had finished recording the podcast. Everything after this is already done. Um, but it was actually Gutex that messaged me and said something to the effect of, why are, you, why, why are you guys so bad? Why are you setting the internet on fire? Just joking about this <laughs> with us. And he's like, can you please talk about this? So Gooey, we have gone back and recorded a bit about this to let you guys all know how we feel. Uh, we are so incredibly sorry. No, you shouldn't have to play Smash ever, even though you're going to be writing mainly about that as the best-selling and biggest fighting game around right now. Yeah, I, I think it's all silly. Yeah, it's, it's funny that this conversation was apparently stirred up by people that are considered our competition. You know, they'll remain nameless here because I'm not going to shout out anyone on, on our podcast here that, that's doing this. But it's an attempt to crap on our website, which is fine. You know, I mean, it's there's no there's a problem. Like if you have negative feedback about Event Hubs, like we have plenty of negative feedback about our own website. We're always trying to make it better and, and get good. Um, and if you don't have that, like you're, you're doing yourself like a, a huge disservice, right? Like we're constantly challenging each other and, and trying to make sure we're, we're leveling up. Um, so it's really not a problem when people do it, too. But. I just found it hilarious that it came from like, you know, mostly our, our people, you know, our competitors out there and they're like, oh, well, this is crap and this is great. It's just like, oh, guys, it's like this is what you, you resorted to now. Like you're calling out this of all things. OK, like more power to you, I guess so.
So the moral of the story, Event Hubs is trash. And uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. And now back to your regularly scheduled programming. I was lucky enough to attend Northwest Majors firsthand. Catalyst and I talk a bit about my experiences, including my brief conversation with 801 Strider, who won the entire event with G, who is a good character, whom Daigo is now practicing with. We talk about the character for a bit. But also, Mortal Kombat 11 is a week old now. Which characters are emerging as seemingly stronger than others, and have those pesky problems with the Towers of Time been fixed yet? Smash Ultimate becomes the best-selling fighting game of all time, but even Sonic mains are having a hard time finding anything good to say about the latest Sonic movie trailer. We hit all of this and more on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it going, internet? Hope you're having a good day. So you got back from Seattle just the other day. Uh, you went up to go play at Northwest Majors, and we want to hear about your experience. Like, what did you see? What did you feel? What did you put in your body? Let's just Ooh. see. Let's go from there. So. All right. Well, that's interesting. This is going to be a long story all of a sudden. My Northwest Majors part of the trip was uh, not the majority of it, although it did have the highlight of the trip contained within it. My friend from high school lives up in Seattle, and I've never been there. He reached out to me a few months ago and said, hey, when are you going to come visit? I've been here for two and a half, three years, and you haven't visited. And I looked up, and I was like, you know, I, I, I keep meaning to go to where you know Northwest Majors, whenever that is. I looked. It was like a month away, so I was like, hey, this is perfect. So my, my goal was to mainly hang out with him, but then also Northwest Majors was happening. So on Saturday, we ended up getting ready, and, and I headed down to the venue, which is a Gameworks downtown, and it was actually really nice. I, when I first heard, like, there's a major at a Gameworks. That sounds kind of like a level down from what I'm used to in ballrooms and such at, at hotels. No, dude, Gameworks is the perfect place. First of all, there are two bars. I didn't use them, but they were there. Uh, in the Gameworks, there's, like, multi-levels. When you're waiting for your matches, you can play casuals, or you can go play the old-school Star Wars video game. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So so it, Gameworks is great. I don't know why I don't have all of our tournaments in Gameworks. Anyways, Evo in Gameworks next time. So Saturday rolls around. I get there about an hour early, and all of my friends um, who are not familiar with the FGC at all, and I've told them, hey, guys, you're, you're hyping this up too much. They're expecting to go to a WWE match. And uh, <laughs> and I'm like, this is pool play at Northwest Majors, man. Just just It's going to be a bunch of sweaty dudes crowded together behind a, behind a screen. Um, but they were like, no, it's fine, it's fine. So they get drunk and they make signs and bring the signs. And I've actually already lost to Amigo 1 at this point <laughs> in my pool play when they finally do show up. So they're drunkenly and rowdily behind me while I'm playing against people in the loser's bracket with these signs. One of them said, clever girl. Another one said, um, you're okay at this. I think that was my favorite one. Yeah, because and I had, it had like a heart on it too. That was, mm-hmm. it was great, yeah. Well, because I was trying to tell them I played Street Fighter Four very competitively and traveled a lot more for that. This game, I'm more just kind of feeling it out right now. So I'm not, I'm not really expecting to go the distance. I'm not really expecting to win. I'm just kind of okay at it. I'm not, and then they took that and basically made a sign out of it. And I thought that was the funniest one, but there were a handful there. And, um, and so if you actually watch the replay, uh, the archive, I wound up playing Amigo One again to get out of loser's bracket and with the power of friendship as the, the both the chat and the commentators got to uh, I was able to, to pull it out and win and that moment was really fun because it was extra hype because my friends were there to share it with me and root me on even though they didn't have 
any clue as to what was happening. Then from there, I kind of took off out of Northwest Majors, came back the next day for an hour before I was supposed to play, lost to Ricky Ortiz, and, uh, and then that was that. So I didn't spend a whole bunch of time at the event when you normally spend your entire weekend there. But uh, the time I did spend, like I said, it, it contained the moment of my trip. And otherwise, I put a bunch of delicious Seattle food in my body and, and nothing else that might be harmful. Yeah, GameWorks like serves like food and everything like that, and food and drinks and all that, right? They had a buffet that I did mm. not partake in because you had to. I think you had to get a pass for it and, and such. And but uh, yeah, they, they did. There was it was everything that you'd want. It, it's right there in the middle of downtown. So even if you didn't want to eat or drink or whatever at GameWorks, there were six things in every direction. So that's another thing when you are analyzing tournament or major locations to have it in the middle of a lot of places where you can have options for food and such is is really important and and this checked pretty much every box there was no issue where oh i can't go do this thing immediately and um and so that was really nice and it was only a two-day event i think there's been some talk recently in the fgc about two versus three day events because mm-hmm. i mean obviously bigger is is better but not always because mm-hmm. you get to pack more games in and more stream time for the games and all that but scheduling-wise, you'll have to take Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off for travel unless you're going to do like a red-eye on Sunday. But even then, it's so much easier if, if your event is only on the weekend because then people can just be there for Saturday, Sunday, and it's a lot easier on, the, I think, the wallet and the, um, the schedule book. So anyways, I, I had no gripes, no complaints about Northwest Majors. I don't know if anybody else did from the outside, you know, from, from watching or outside looking in, I guess. But it was good for me. Yeah, it was a good tournament watching from home and, and covering it. And uh, to give people a little bit of an idea of what this looks like, like think of uh, an arcade and if, uh, just a typical arcade from back in the day and, you know, blown out like some food and different things around. And then um, if you don't have an arcade around you, think of uh, Chuck E. Cheese. It's still an arcade, but, you know, more for adults, more, you know, uh, contemporary video games and stuff in there and, you know, pinball machines, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's basically what it looks like. So it, it's, a you know, kind of a welcoming environment. But all right. So I'm going to get right into this now. G has been a huge, a huge, huge, huge subject on, you know, with us on the pod and and honestly, crazy enough as it is, I think that us bringing it up so much on the pod has made it a big narrative in the community. Uh, I'm hearing everyone kind of talk about this character right now and it's just like, is he overpowered? Not necessarily so much of that, but like, is he, is he robbing people too much? Right. And uh, even talking with Dream King, he, he flat out admits that, that G is the biggest robbery character in the game and, and in this season right now. And I agree with that. Like, I don't think anyone's particularly close to him that I can think of offhand. Um, he's he's upsetting people. And you got to talk to Gustavo, 801 Strider. He won I the did. whole thing. And, and what what was he saying about the character? It, well, it was brief. He, I think he had just finished playing against Alex Myers, and they were both in the winner's bracket. And Myers had... Gustavo on the ropes a couple of times and that was the first thing that I brought up it seemed like you brought it back from the brink like two or three times in there at very clutch moments very important moments and he said yeah with G I never feel counted out and it doesn't take too much of a stretch of the imagination to see what he's saying there it's that his V trigger I mean if you're hitting me I'm growing my V trigger and once that thing pops it's anyone's game and it by anyone's I mean probably mine. Mm. G can be on one side of the entire screen pop that thing just just score any well it's not a new story for Street Fighter is it? It's it's back to what we were seeing a lot more of earlier in the game especially season 2 because season 2 the the main gripe at least that I had was that characters had V triggers that 
essentially started the competition of the round when they activated. It was a matter of, did Balrog hit you with his V-Trigger mix-up? If he did, he won, and if he didn't, then he lost. And I, well, I won't go, it, it's not as extreme as Season 2, mainly because this is the only character, first of all, that's really doing that. Uh, but that's the case with G, and, and we're seeing these crazy mix-ups where he gets like a knockdown and then does a flip kick that whiffs, but just frame perfectly whiffs, so you think you have to block it, goes into the command grab, and everyone goes, whoa, every time, even though we've yeah. seen it four or five times now. It, and just to talk about what that is actually, is uh, how Gustavo landed that is, is someone jumped up our back in the corner, and he anti-aired them with, you know, crouching heavy punch, geez, a terrific anti-air. He d- canceled that into his flip kick, and he cancels it, like, and then, like, it almost cancels the animation of it. Like, it, it the animation is really abrupt with it and he goes right into the command grab it's a disgusting mix-up it's not legit i mean you could jump right out of it if you know it's coming but if you don't know it's coming it is disgusting it hits everybody on day one yes yeah and when g hits you with his command grab well that's right into the business as we've said well hold on before you move on here actually i I do want to get into v trigger one discussions here with g because it's something i took a heavy amount of notes on and and i think that I think what happens with the V-Trigger one is that when people see it blow other people up, they go, oh my God, that is insane. That looks broken. And I get that. And it does. It looks amazing when it happens. Um, and I mean, it, it, G is like this unstoppable force. you know, high flying and he's got fire uh, coming out of his feet and there's flashes of light and that giant or, or, yeah, there's a lot of lights and pretty colors and movement as he takes you across the screen. So there's a lot going on. Right. So, but what people are not accounting for is it's very much an all or nothing V trigger. So it, it's brilliant if you hit it, but also there are a bunch of times where G is activating it when he is down to his last about one or two hits left on his life bar, um, or he might be on the edge of, uh, of being stunned. And that actually happened quite a bit with Smug. He was playing against Justin Wong and he would, you know, try to get the V trigger one off and try to do something with it, but he was at the point where where Justin Wong had to get like a throw or a couple hits and he was dead. And that's actually oftentimes the case, right? It, and it's why the swings with G are so very heavy. Again, for him to actually even activate his V trigger one, usually he's got to have about eighty percent of his life gone. Not all the time. Sometimes he's able to get enough V skills and other things out there to get it going. And Gustavo is actually kind of notorious for that. What he does uh, very heavily is uses his V skills and combos and sacrifices damage to get the V gauge up there, so he Makes can get sense. it out even faster. Um, but uh, this is a character with very poor defense, and I know that's an argument and a debate uh, in the community that you know G's defense is not that bad. Uh, I very heavily disagree with that. I think he's among the worst characters defensively in the entire game. Um, I think he's very bad in that regard. I think that in some matchups and other things, his defense is better than in others. Um, But I think collectively he's on like a bottom five level uh, in this game. Um, But anyway, so Justin Wong and Smug are playing and, and, uh, Smug actually ends up taking the first game, uh, oddly enough, on a V-Trigger 1, you know, kind of thing. Like, he, he just activates it and kind of goes crazy on Justin. Uh, Justin comes back the next two games, and and Smug is not actually able to get V-Trigger 1 off and do much of anything with it. He actually ends up switching to V-Trigger 2 um, with J, with G, uh, which is something that, that drinking uses. It's a two-bar V-Trigger, and you can get that out at about 50% of your health. And it, it is very much a well-rounded V-Trigger in that you're able to activate it and change the whole flow of the matchup, but the robbery aspect is not nearly as bad as the other one. Um, so again, uh, unfortunately, um, 
uh, Smug was playing pretty well here. He actually ended up taking the first round against Justin when he had V-Trigger 2. Um, the second round, he took a very risky, like, dash forward setup. Like, a, the V-Trigger 2 has a command grab with it, right? Uh, Justin was just waiting for it. And he's like, boom, and just blew him right up. And then the third round, uh, uh, he he also got nothing on it. Uh, and Justin uh, won with time over, of all things. Because, you know, Justin won, Smells right? like Justin. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so where I'm going at with all these examples here is that, yes, I agree that V-Trigger 1 is very powerful, very good. It's, it's probably too robbery as is um, I've, I've suggested a couple nerfs to it I think those nerfs need to happen but I also want people to start accounting for when this thing just falls on its face and with a character with this bad a defense and with what v-trigger one like how late you activate it into the round I, I, I again I just I don't think people are properly accounting for when it fails so I think that the reason V-Trigger 1 is so damn good is because G actually has a lot of moves that are pretty damn good, but they carry with them a decent amount of risk or, or a reason that you wouldn't want to do it because of punishment or that they essentially won't go your way if you just toss them out there. Low Rush Punch is probably the biggest shining example. V-Trigger 1, especially the cancel at the beginning, but then also, at least in the case of Low Rush Punch, you can make that stuff safe. So now G goes from, well, I might toss out something crazy at you, and if it hits you, it's going to be your ass. But if it doesn't, well, and then and then you can hit me. With V-Trigger 1, the, well, if it doesn't, you can hit me kind of goes out the window in a lot of cases. And G is able to play a one-player game where he doesn't have to consider what you're doing as much as he did before, because as long as you're not somehow evading what he's doing so that it whiffs and then you hit him, then he's fine. If you block it, he's, he's pretty much fine. And, and if, I mean, sometimes in a better position than he was before because he's up next to you. So, no, I, I get that. But just to address this here real quickly, when G is down to one or two hits here when he's activating V-Trigger 1, you make that one correct read and he's dead, right? Well, yeah, but as you said yourself, in this situation, it's because he has like a fifth of a life bar left. So you'd expect to be able to kill him in one or two hits. He, on the other hand, only has to make that one correct read. And if you have three fourths of your life left, then you're dead. And that's why it's unbalanced. Uh, now, I wouldn't say it's just one correct read with G and V-Trigger 1. I, I would say it's usually two. Um, well, it's get the yeah. hit. It's like maybe he maybe he sticks out a random EX rush or maybe he just sticks out a, a standing medium kick. And that's pretty good, too. That's one of those buttons that you'll see a lot of different characters use uh, that, mm-hmm. that style of a button like Nikali standing roundhouse. Just put it on your opponent. If it hits, great. But you're really just putting it out there so that you can activate V-Trigger and get into the good stuff. But he can clip you with one of those, cancel into V-Trigger, carry you to the corner. And then I think the big thing is one he can do a reset like we talked earlier about with the the whiff into command grab and razzle dazzle mm-hmm. and everything but the the other thing that i talked to gustavo about was how incredibly good g's corner control is we've already mm-hmm. talked extensively about how easy it is for him to get you to the corner when he's there with or without V-Trigger, obviously it's even better with V-Trigger, and usually he will be at this point because we're kind of talking, you know, end of the round when he has this V-Trigger thing. He uh, can really cage you, and mm-hmm. by that I mean he can stand at a place where he's not necessarily always putting pressure on there, but he's just waiting for you to do something, and his options to do something after you try to escape or, or get into a more comfortable place are really good. 
and he can also not wait and he can he can stand at about well it's like sweep distance or so and do the um, flip kick which is as we've stated before minus five but if he spaces it out and it's very easy to space out relatively speaking when you're in the corner because he knows you're not backing up at all right and so when he does that even though you're minus five there is nothing you can do i ask gustavo like what's the secret because sometimes those moves end up just being mix-ups where you do like a a heavy button instead of like the the punish button i want to jump in here actually ask you because you know uh, nicali's disc guidance that's where he jumps forward and does his claws at you right yeah Um, the 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 slash move i think most people call it there you go um you've complained about that move being too slow correct like where you feel it's not that useful it's negative six and it's kind of too slow to use right it's useful for if you predict a fireball a one-hit fireball you can use that to go through it and that happens sometimes but it's mainly a combo ender but what it's not because it's minus six and because of how it's spaced um, is is not a free get close to you and it doesn't matter if they block it move which some of the best characters in this game have that yes now um you can make it safe though against a number of the cast members if you do it from the correct range and correct timing though right well, there's a setup where if you do super with Nikali and you're not in V-Trigger, you end up at a pretty much the perfect spacing. Now, I've been punished a lot for doing it here, but the thing is people don't really realize it. This is a situation where they haven't labbed it. Um, you can just, I mean, maybe not every character, but a, a handful of them so far and probably every character can indeed punish him from the distance that he puts it there, but a lot can't and it's a lot tighter timing. So there, um, so there is a situation after super. Uh, I have been hit there with you know but like after people block it and hit me it's just that they don't usually know but with g it's you can't reach him and so um with with that now um and and just so you know i'm not can actually but again i i'm a character who has a incredible range and i've got a five frame standing jab that reaches like half you know half screen it doesn't go that far but it's far enough right yeah um Anyway, uh, so what, one of the reasons you don't use that, that move in neutral, though, is because of the very long startup, right? Yeah, that's, that's part of it for sure. Yeah. Um, and actually, I just want to let you know that um, that G's flip kick actually has more startup than Nikali's disc guidance. <laughs> um, just to give that a little bit of context here, uh, Nikali's um, uh, slash is, is faster in every, uh, every thing, I, I think, except for, like, I think level two light kick version from G is faster than Nikali's, like, you know, light version. Um, but yes, and that's one of the drawbacks here I wanted to illustrate here. But I do agree. It's a strong move for certain characters well, we, we've talked about before. It's, you know, Birdie had that same kind of principle, right? Where, okay, yeah, you hit something and now you whiffed and now you're dead, right? And it's a, it's a pretty good setup for G, but there are drawbacks to it. I would imagine an entire jump animation to from when the character gets to you is about the same, if not even slower than those two moves. And that's still something mm-hmm. that's a valid, well, any character can just jump at you and you're not always ready for that even. And that's something right. that you know you can anti-air consistently with, you know, whatever your anti-airs are. The flip kick, there's a hurt box coming out of that real fast. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it's the kind of thing where he can, here's the other utility of it. He can use it to to cage you in. He can get the the pressure off of it. If you've pressed a move to try to poke him and he does it, you're getting clipped, and then that's into the business. That's the other thing. Nikali's knocks you down for however much yes. damage it does. G's 
kills you. <laughs> it yeah, leads yeah. into everything else. <laughs> yes. Uh, keep in mind that, that that's only when he's leveled up, though. That he does have to be leveled up for it to kill you. Um, if it hits you a uh, non-counter hit in level one, it's a plus three move. And G does not have a three-free move. So he's not following up with anything after the flip kick. Sure. So. At that point, he's just getting the damage, just like a, yes. an honest character. Uh, but then also, if you try to jump out of the corner, that move takes care of jumps. It, it anti-airs your jumps. So it covers a lot of your options. It is super-duper safe. And, I mean, it can only go in his favor. I think, well, okay, so that's not true because I'll play devil's advocate here. All right, I've just laid out how damn strong this move is in this situation, especially in the corner. And we're, you know, talking about either leveled up or in V-trigger. Well, I guess the answer would be, if you think G's going to do that, you can eek forward, walk and block forward a little bit, and then um, either try to, to do an invincible reversal kind of anti-air thing, if you have it. If you don't, maybe walk forward too far so that when he does it, it's not safe. I don't know. But mm-hmm. still, so, so there is an answer. It's not like there isn't an answer. But that whole process, as you can see, at any time he can be doing something else, and he's very much at advantage through that. You just inching forward to try to get him to misspace a move is is not a great place to be, and with your back to the corner, right? So it's just... And, and from that situation, though, when he has you in the corner, that's, that's snowball alley for sure, because if he tags you, it's like, good games, into more mix-ups. Yeah, no, I, I will flat out say that G's corner game is super strong. And if he's in, as you mentioned, if he's in V-Trigger 1 and you're on the corner, oh my god, you are in a terrible position. And a lot of his stuff actually carries you to the corner if he gets it. And he's got, like, basically free activations into corner carries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it before with Lil Rush. That's a um, plus four move on block. Uh, if you, if, I mean, that's, why? You know, why, why is it that good? Um, and, and I get it, like, a lot of people have great activations combos but um going low and then being plus to that degree is just ridiculous to me um but one of the things i'll, I'll shout out here is with 801 striders g um he'd pop v trigger one and he was standing there and waiting for people to jump at him and and that is one thing i, I saw up and down and this is with players like knuckle do and other people uh they they kept trying to jump at 801 strider and when he was leveled up and that is something you almost never want to do against g because he can do around 300 to 500 damage on you maybe even higher if he's got full meter if you jump at him when he's powered up and i saw it over and over and over again where gustavo's just sitting there trying to bait people to jump at him like do something dumb do something dumb you do not know what you're doing and this is against some of the best players in the U.S. Like these are top quality players who should have allowed, you know, lapped the matchup and whatnot. And he's getting them, he's baiting them perfectly and just blowing them up with his V skill orb, um, you know, in V trigger one and doing massive damage, putting them right back in the corner. And I'm sitting here going, okay. I can flat out see because I've played about uh, I played hundreds of matches against G. Uh, that's Dream King's you know character. Uh, him and I like train all the time. Uh, I've played that match more than most people i'm watching people and going you do not know this matchup you do not know it well at all and, and i'll sh- um very it's very important i mentioned this too with technical characters in this game and any fighting game for that matter yes they're very technical and they're very hard to use but that technical stuff transfers on to the other player at some point when you've mastered or gotten to a very good clip with your technical ability Knowing what G is in level two when he does a flip kick on block is, you know, different and and how he sets it up, how far he travels, did he use a medium kick version, all that kind of stuff that you have to account for as a player. Now your opponent has to start accounting for. And I am watching a bunch of people, again, who have not played the hundreds of matchups I have against G and just they're sitting there struggling and hitting their head against the wall. And I'm like, look, 
Gustavo's put in the time. Smug has put in the time. You guys have not. And if you want to beat a highly technical character, you have to lab the hell out of that matchup. It's why we saw people get by with Zeku for so long. Uh, Monat was the same way. Uh, these are highly technical characters, and until you master that, you you don't have a full understanding of how to beat it. Yeah, I feel like, uh, well, Monat also got majorly nerfed, and a lot of people have you know, migrated away from her uh, as a big part of it was because of that, right? Um, yeah, actually, I'll go ahead and get into that. Uh, Justin Wong uh, played Karen almost the entire time in tournament, and then he actually switched to Monat uh, for the Zangief matchup, which is just a terrible Oh, well, that matchup. makes sense. Sure. Yeah, and, and um, but you are seeing people, if let's say uh, if she was a 10 out of 10 popularity-wise, just to give it some scale here, uh, she's probably been dropped down to about a 6 out of 10 or a 7 mm-hmm. out of 10. She's still popular. Like ZJZ and Sako are still playing her. Um, Goichi, you know, uh, played her at least a little bit this weekend. Um, but yeah, she's, she's still on the radar enough. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, really quick with that G thing, though. So when G has V-Trigger 1 activated and you are in the neutral as mm-hmm. the situation that you set up earlier with Strider and he was getting people to jump and he throws that orb that covers half the screen at you, the answer is you just have to block, right? The answer is actually block close to him. Do not give him range to throw it and to dash in behind it. You want to be about as close as you can be to G as, as humanly possible. So I can tell, again, if people spacing are off on V-Trigger 1, it's like, why are you standing at that range? And you actually taught me this really well at uh, Capcom Cup. Um, uh, you're like, John, I, I love you, dog, but you're an idiot. Uh, you talking to me. Um, <laughs> and you were much nicer about it. But essentially, again, you're like, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And you're like, I'm d- you're standing at a range where Nikali can dash forward and make his mix up even better it's like you need to stand closer to me where that dash into the business you know d- mm-hmm. is not as as potent and i'm like i hate you but you're right and so i had to back off and i'm like i'll hold that l and i, I held a lot of l's at capcom cup uh, and then i went back and beat the nicali player in tournament because of your advice you know and yeah and it was it was great and again i i, I literally were sitting right behind me i'm like that was because of you and you're like yeah i know and it was great it was but it was it literally was because of you and you you, you labbed that matchup with me really helped me out thank you so much for that thank you for calling me an idiot that's what i'm saying i never <laughs> called you an idiot that was like, i never said I, love you dog either that's that's something you said you know what i like to <laughs> embellish the story a little bit for the sake of drama and you know oh, i'm make sorry it i won't yeah. i won't expose that to the, for people. They won't know that. Uh, but anyway um i'm seeing people stand at ranges and other things that are, are very uh effective for g that's where gustavo and, and smug want you at that's where they want you standing at knuckle do for that matter too he plays um and like he g plays kind of the character characters. yeah yeah and again i i can't blame people too much for not knowing this because this is a very technical character uh again i g is yeah he's got some dumb stuff but he also takes a lot to play i have a question for you Mm -hmm. we've been talking about g a lot so good no i'm still excited to talk about g i'm not apologizing for that at all because he's he's relevant in the gameplay aspect of things right now for street fighter 5 and when we first started this i was more in one camp and it seemed like dream king was more in the other camp of of you just don't understand the character enough yet and I'm, i'm more like well he has a good little bit of stuff where i think that it needs to be toned down and you were somewhere in the middle, although it felt like you were leaning more towards Dream King's side of things, um, with a few exceptions there. Anyways, you know, one of the things that we used as kind of barometers for how good the character was was results. And I want to know mm-hmm. if these results thus far have changed 
your stance on him or if you're still in the same place or what do you think about this when you factor the last couple of weeks of tournament events and such and the fact that Daigo is now entertaining the idea of playing G which I'm sure we can get to soon um, if that has changed your opinion of the character at least in this one avenue and therefore for the entire equation of how good or broken or silly or whatever it is he is you bastard I did not expect. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, yes, I will. I will flat up answer your question and say yes because I, I before I was on record as saying I don't know if he's a top ten character or not. He might be. Um, I think there's no argument now that he's definitely a top ten character. Um, and there's an argument that he's better than that. You know, is he a top five character in this? I think there's a case to be made, but it's still too early. But to answer your question, I think that if you watch Gustavo play and you see what he's doing, even if you know you put in a lab time against G, you can see this is a very powerful and good character. And the fact that Daigo is looking at him, Daigo rarely takes uh, a character that he's known to play like Guile uh, and switches off of him to play a lesser character or anything like that. And I think the best case for guile or maybe worst case i should say is mid-tier in this game um somewhere around there uh i think he feels that g is he's at least looking at him right this so feels like yeah. when he went to yun for arcade edition in four you you know? i was gonna bring that up too yes you can say it now yeah no, no, no. so well, uh, just uh, i i do want to add a few more things here before we get into daigo playing g yeah. uh, and, and that would be um uh el chocote uh his mika he's a very good mika player um smug ran into him in tournament um and he was playing g he got the crap beat out of him uh and then he immediately went and switched over to balrog um and then he beat him like 3-0 after that point so that, what did gustavo say about that because he made the g matchup list i'll pull it up mm -hmm. right here and uh and see what he says about armika but go ahead yeah no um I, I do think that's a bad matchup for for g you know and i i think that he has kind of trouble and i was asking dream king about it and he's like yeah i hate that matchup and um again it's Ooh. it's uh, yeah okay so there are three characters that have the uh they give g extreme disadvantage meaning they beat him the worst it's cammy nash and mika mm -hmm. interesting Interessante. Yes. Well, good, because you deserve to get beat up by a mix-up-y, like, I hope this works mix-up character. Uh, Nika, a shell of that, what she used to be, but it's still in the same kind of vein. I guess you could say it's sort of robbery-esque, but I would never go as far as to put that label on Mika right now. Um, at least not in the way that people use it to describe negative things in this game. I I'm going to use a, a fun example here, because I, I just mentioned that you don't want to jump at G when he's leveled up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a really bad idea. But you do want to jump at him to be a dumbass and to throw off all of his time. You because you have to make him worried about exactly, the jump. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and Dream King like was notorious for doing this to me because I'm a knot, right? I pop V-Trigger. I've got the power of the gods behind me at that point, right? And, and he'd play freaking Abigail and do one jump heavy kick and nail me in the face. Um, because when you've leveled up your character, you're feeling it. You're, you're just like, I'm indestructible. I'm going to kill you with 50 different moves and I'm going to laugh about it at the end. And, and the moment someone does a jump that you're not expecting in, in the Street Fighter V, that one jump, and it kills you. And, and that's the thing that you do with the G players when you know that he knows that you know then you can start doing some dumb stuff to throw him off. And that's, again, what I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing that level of, of nuanced understanding of the character just yet. So I do want to throw that out there as I said, don't jump at G, but there is a time and a place where you definitely want to do it because he's like charging up 50 different things. And it's like, yeah, go for it. Like right now, <laughs> because you know, he's going to do some kind of like low rush punch into, you know, stupid business or whatever. Right. So, um, so yeah. we were, we were discussing patience and um, mm -hmm. especially with a character that's as explosively offensive or potential 
potentially explosively offensive as G. And it took me back to this conversation I had with Chris T one evening at, ugh, I think it was CEO uh, two years ago. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. Uh, but we were playing some casuals. It was like Saturday evening, pretty late. So we had had a few, you know, brewskis and such. But we were just playing some casuals and we were talking about the Ken Nicali matchup. And one little segment of it, he looks over, he's like, bro. You know what's awesome is I'm not going to do the whole thing in super low Christie voice because that's just <laughs> I wish too you would. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes, the best thing, like, you know, when you have a character like Nikali and V Trigger, he's godlike. A character like that, and, and Nikali and V Trigger is, at least at the time, I don't know if he still is, but regarded as like maybe the best character in the game. He's like, because the potential is so there, because your walk speed's so good, because you can freaking pounce, bro. But the best thing is, you can also do nothing. And that is the scariest thing. And you think about G, locked and loaded with V-Trigger 1. Nikali and V-Trigger, whatever. Just these characters when they get super-powered and they have all the offensive potential in the world and they just stand there. Not only is it menacing, but how many people aware of that potential will just sit there? Almost none. And you have so much power that often goes unexplored. But when a player doesn't just go for it because they can and they actually play that patience game despite having that massive gun locked and loaded and pointed right at their target that is a sign of a leveled up and and learned and wise player and that's something that you got to watch out for so i guess i say all that to say good stuff to strider this weekend he is he is getting through right now with flying colors and his future looks very bright. I'm really happy about G doing well. Again, my stance on this is very clear. Um, I think it's, it's, I really hate seeing characters like Kami and Rashid and Akuma win every tournament. It just, it, it yeah. destroys the damn game. Um, it's not why I play. I don't want to see the same characters over and over again. I'm fine with those characters being good. You know, I'm, I'm, I've never advocated to, uh, you know, obliterate those or anyone who's top tier. It, it's fine. People have put in the work, you know, let them continue to have success with the character. Just don't make that character to the point where they're so oppressive. They eliminate other characters from the game. Um, and, you know, we'll actually talk about that here a little bit um, before we get into Daigo you know playing g and that would be um uh chris cch playing sakura um he actually had a great run he got uh seventh place top eight overall so he scored some cpt points um he's usually known as a guile player uh and he still does play him um but uh he actually uh his run went through chris g k brad pierre balrog and then uh and then yeah and he, he took them all with sakura uh, and he actually ended up uh, losing to alex myers which is like irony at its finest because you run into a big time sakura fan um and someone who knows the matchup probably <laughs> better than any other player out there i'm guessing because no one plays sakura um and it's like oh man that sucks like how how come like how how why did fates align for that right um but anyway yeah. uh there were times where sakura looked highly suspect where i'm like dude why are you even playing this character right now i i don't know what you're well, doing well how do you mean mm-hmm. yeah, yeah let me say i even since day 1 i've never thought sakura was a was a good character but that's only been because people say she isn't and then haven't I haven't seen them flesh her out. We saw Flakito with a great run. I think that's who it was. Flakito, yeah, at a Capcom Cup with her. Um, but but I have played a handful of them online, some pretty good ones. And I think Flakito himself. And she does have some good stuff. That doesn't make her a good character. But she has some good stuff that I guess I just we haven't heard people talk about. 
Um, and and people often highlight the negatives, which that's, I mean, fine, especially if they're egregious and really hurting her as a character, they should be talked about so that they can be fixed, right? But she's got some pretty good stuff, you know, like lockdown and, and some good offense when she's in your face, and it feels like she's got some pretty good poking with her standing light kick. That's not the best tool kind of tool to have, but it's a decent tool, and, um, and, and it seemed like there's, uh, I could see an arsenal that kind of complemented, you know, itself or, or the different components complemented each other in her gameplay, um, um, so I was like, I don't see why this character can't be somewhat decently good, but we haven't seen anyone really do too much with her until more recently. And that's a great point. And that is the classic trap of Street Fighter V where, and again, I'm not saying Sakura is bad. I actually think she's got some pretty decent potential. Um, I was going to mention as well, once I started seeing some setups and combos from her, I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't know she could do that. You know, like, I, I I was completely unaware of that. that that's pretty good. Um in the classic trap of Street Fighter V is when you look good in this game, you look brilliant. You look like an amazing character, a great player, all that kind of stuff. And when you look mm. bad, you look terrible. And, and this is a game full of highs and lows and so little you know, middle ground. And that is changing now, thankfully. We're seeing more footsie-based play. But um, that's kind of the trap of this game where you have to watch quite a bit of footage and really look into stuff and see like what's real and what's not. Um, and so I actually kind of wonder if we have a little bit of a hidden gem on our hands with Sakura. I'm not saying she's amazing, um, but maybe she can be about Chun-Li level in this, maybe a bit worse, you know, somewhere around there. Um, and again, I'll, I'll just reiterate that's, this is my problem with characters like Kami is like Alex Myers should be playing Kami, uh, or should be playing Sakura, but he's playing Kami. Um, and that's because Kami is just, a better option at a lot of instances than Sakura is. And and that's where you get into like highly oppressive top tiers really hurt the variety of a game. You know, so many times why play Ryu when Akuma's there? Exactly. And that's a hundred percent the case. Like why do that? And again, I get that Ryu has different skill sets, but for tournament level players, they need more incentive than just like he has a few different moves and he's, you know, got better fireballs or whatever. And that was the classic thing too. I think Akuma had better fireballs than Ryu. It's like, Oh God, Capcom, why? You know, um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I, I am thinking we have a little bit of a hidden gem here with, with um, uh, Sakura. And as you mentioned, Flaquito, uh, he's been doing well with her. Um, uh, it, it's sometimes the stuff takes a little bit of dusting off, you know, to get to the, the, the good part. So sure, sure. That makes sense. And uh, I think that, uh, well, first off, Chris CCH is a really good player. Like he was doing, mm-hmm. doing work with Guile. I actually caught up with him briefly because I noticed that he was playing Sakura and, and taking her through the ranks. Um, somewhere in top 24, I talked to him and he said that he plays Sakura for more matches now, but that he still holds Guile for a, a handful of the top tier matches against like the, the higher tier characters. So he winds up playing both of them about the same right now. But he does, I guess, consider technically Sakura has become his main, which is an interesting jump, especially when you you know consider last season how good Guile was and, and how bad Sakura was, at least perceived to be, right? And to make that jump now is an interesting transition to see. But it's working out for him, and I'm excited to, excited to see where it goes. Yeah. All right, so we'll get right back into it. And we're going to actually rename our podcast Ain't Nothing But a G Thing, because that's all we talk <laughs> about here, right? Um, but anyway, so Daigo is looking at playing G. He's definitely playing him a little bit. We've got the footage of it you know some people are saying okay look i don't think this is an ideal fit for daigo and i'm looking at it and going uh i'm not putting anything past this guy because this is 
he takes unorthodox styles and applies them to characters very often, right? Um, and unorthodox in the way of like a lot of footsies, a lot of fireballs. Um, G is a footsies and zoning powerhouse yeah. in some matchups anyway. Not all matchups, but in plenty of them. Uh, if you back off this character, he is very strong. And Daigo is very good at getting you to back off of him and not try to approach. Uh, so many of his fireballs, so many of his setups is all trapped to get you to jump at him. So you're, you're talking about a player who is known to have some of the best footsies and fireball games in the entire fighting game community. And now you're putting G in his hands. I'm going, okay, like, I can see this. He's going to use the cheap and the dirty BS too, right? Like, that is, that's not something Daigo is, like, you know, too ashamed to use or whatever. And he actually has the combo ability here to pull it off because we saw it with Evil Ryu in Street Fighter Four. G is very technical, as I've mentioned. Um, Daigo is not Sako level in terms of his uh, you know, execution, but he holds his own. I mean, those one-frame links he was hitting with Evil Ryu, like consistently in tournament. Oh, yeah, I'm not it, worried about it. Yeah, it's there. Um, again, as I mentioned, I don't see a scenario in this where, where G is not stronger than Guile. And uh, so, again, you know, Daigo's job a lot of times is to win in tournament, right? Um, so this is something I see going pretty well for him if it clicks all the way. You know, we, we've seen this before. We talked about it. Like, he, he dabbled with Zeku. Um, he played Yun in Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition. He, um, he's played a ton of characters from on his stream and in YouTube online videos. And he still has only stuck with well, early Ryu and then Guile, right? So this doesn't mean... Daigo is playing G, right? It's just mm-hmm. like he's practicing with G. We'll see if it comes out in tournament. Maybe, maybe not. We may never see it at a, C- a CPT event. Who knows? But with what I just talked about, you can imagine Daigo popping V-Trigger and just standing there and staring you down and about to do some Ume Daigo thing, some psychic stuff. And with G's potential, oh my gosh. that That is a scary thought. I am excited to look at it or watch it because I probably won't end up in a top eight against Daigo with G, so <laughs> that's fine. But I am worried for those that might. That is where we're going to see, I think, um, uh, the other side of the coin with, with G's potential. Because Strider is a... Um, he plays a very patient kind of get-in-your-face type game. And he wears you down with normals and other things. Um, but he's not going for a lot of levels. He's not trying to heavily zone you out with fireballs and different things. Um, that's not his traditional style. You know, it's I always think of his Laura and his Abel. And, you know, just standing at that, that magic range and, and punching buttons and hitting him, you know, and then going in on you, right? Mm-hmm. That, that just very methodical footsie rushdown type stuff. And um, uh, that's not Daigo. You know, he's, he's going to sit back and, and I just, I want to see what happens when he's tossing fireballs at you using that crazy crouching heavy punch anti-air um, among the best anti-air buttons in the game in terms of what it covers. Um, it does have a bit of a startup on it, but the the range that it covers behind him and around him and all that kind of stuff, I'm I'm looking at that and going, man, what if, what if Daigo is zoning you out and gets up to level three and then decides to go in and give you everything he's got? And I'm like, that, that sounds interesting on the surface. Um, it's a bit of a different style than what Street Fighter V is known for, but as you and I have been talking about, that that zoning and footsie style is becoming more common now and much more um, much more viable. So yeah, it sounds like GGs to me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll just mention though on a, on a sad note that there's no Umeshiro uh, Shuri or whatever it is. I think it's um, pronounced Shoryu, but I could be wrong. There we go. U- Umi Shoryu. There we go. I'll say it correctly this time. Um, <laughs> G totally lacks that except for critical art. So that will be the death of that. But uh, I think in this you know era of time, like I've seen, it's it's brilliant watching Daigo like land that, but I've also seen him get blown up a lot. Again, like we talked about with Punk uh, in him, he just kept throwing out EX flash kicks and dying for it. Um, yeah. It's I, sword, baby. Yeah, there it is. So. 
All right, so moving along, uh, we're done with G, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. We'll, he'll be back next week or somewhere around there. I'm and we'll sure he will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, we got a Troll E-Honda trailer for Street Fighter V, and the story blew up on the website. There are a bunch of people checking it out. It was clearly labeled as a troll. Uh, we had Honda's mug up there with a a troll, you know, the classic troll. You know, the internet thing. troll face. Yeah. yeah. It was all over the place. Um, damn, are people hungry for anything and everything with Street Fighter V in terms of content? Uh, and just... Ono tweeted out over the weekend that uh, Combo Breaker is coming up. Uh, the registration info about it, it's coming up at the, the 24th of May, uh, so the end of May here this month. Um, he doesn't usually do that uh, with, with events that aren't directly, um, uh, you know, ran by Capcom or, like, you know, heavily involvement from Capcom. So, you know, there's maybe a small, small, very, very small glimmer of hope that something could happen there. Um, but again... Uh, I, I'm just I'm kind of looking again towards the summertime. I really think that's when stuff is going to start coming out. Um, you know, we, we'll monitor social media. We'll let everyone know like the moment it happens. Like everyone checks it so actively. It's just again, it's another reminder to me of ah, oh, damn. Like there's so many people who care about this stuff, and yet again, Capcom like just say something. Like like the CEO of Capcom or someone like that jump on Twitter and say, Hey, we, we, this is what's going on with street fighter five. And this is when you're going to hear something. Uh, and it could be like, like there's more characters coming. We promise. And, and you're going to hear something around the summertime and everyone would be happy. Like Look, John, it, yeah. you're, you're holding on to hope. And I know we've had this conversation <laughs> before, but you got to forget about her, man. You got to move on with your life. Capcom does not love you. And that's, that's hard to hear, but I don't think she's calling. You're not getting that next character, man. And and, and when you do, it's just going to be a trap. I'm telling you, get away now. So you're saying that next time I like drink like half a bottle of like whiskey, I shouldn't call up Capcom and say like, you know, what do you what do you think about when I'm saying this? what's <laughs> happened? I'm saying what's happened every other time, man. I'm just saying, look at history. Go off of that this time instead of your dumb heart. Yeah. My dumb heart has gotten me this far, John. It's, yeah. it's gotten me this far. Like, how, how could it possibly, like, do me wrong? Like, if Street Fighter V is a perfect game, there's nothing wrong with it. Realistically, <laughs> though, it's been, it's, well, we're, hey, we're, it's, it's May. All those Justin Timberlake uh, memes can, can go away now, hopefully. But it's been, uh, we're going on five months. Five months. How long do you think until we get a, an actual reveal? I guess you said, was it yeah, it's sometime in the summer? Yeah, I, I'm thinking E3, um, our Evo, um, or Comic-Con, or somewhere around there. So, so you're not thinking Combo Breaker? Yeah, I, 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 very small glimmer of hope there, and almost almost no hope at all. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, but, but I mean, we are grasping at whatever we can. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, looking into it, because like you say, we are thirsty. Um, some of us are trying to shut off our emotions to it, yeah. making it hard to do that, but okay. Yeah, you know, that's a smart move, but uh, I've never known to be smart. So that's how it is. <laughs> All right. But speaking of an actual good game, uh, who's mostly treating their, their player base right, except for the whole patch thing, but we'll ignore that. Uh, that would be Mortal Kombat 11. And uh, Eris has actually has a great quote about the game. Uh, he calls it moron combat. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So Eris isn't a fan, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, it happens. All these games have dumb stuff in them. Like, I, so it's, it's fun for me to laugh about. Um, uh, but you are one week into the game so far. What are you feeling and seeing? Okay. So. It is still Mortal Kombat in that you're dialing in combos. You're dialing in, well, my, my mix-up is I th I'm going to go overhead because I think they're blocking low because I went low last time with this, like, five-hit string. And so it's, it's a lot of just be on offense and do the thing that you don't think your opponent will be ready for, and hopefully that goes well for you, which is not my 
cup of tea normally, but if you accept that and go in, which is what you should do if you're going to play this game, then that's fine. And the game does emerge as... I'll put it this way. There have been times, because you can rematch people as much as you want, as long as both people continue to rematch online. So you get some pretty long sets with people. And the online is great. Oh my gosh, it continues to be great. So that's that's another really big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can play these long sets with people. And I find myself getting rushed down, because there's so many characters, we don't know how to fight against all of them. And a huge part of this, if you want to be serious about this game, what you realistically have to do is do all of the the strings from characters and know where the mix-ups are, where they're plus, where you can interrupt. It's it's a lot to memorize if you're going to be competitive at this game. But there's a lot that I, of course, don't know yet. I have, I've been in Seattle. I didn't play any Mortal Kombat while I was there and, and kind of sat down with it for a good few hours yesterday. And what I find is I'll get blown up for a while because I don't know where, you know, Sonya's overhead is in her string here or where she goes low or what I can do. But as I observe opponents like wake up habits and such, I am more able to begin to control the match and begin to make decisions that directly go in my favor based on what they're doing in a way that's much more like Street Fighter and much less like Mortal Kombat's of old. I can see, okay, they've woken up with uh, with EX Roll at, in this situation twice now. I'm going to stand over here and let them do it and then do a full combo to them when they get up and, and they're waking up or, or throw them or something like that. And you can make those little adjustments. It's still like a flurry of offense so much. But the fact that you can do something other than just flurry of offense is a good look for it, in my opinion. And that gives it more depth than I think previous Mortal Kombat games have had, just inherently. And and, I, and so it's it's pretty fun to play. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm looking forward to when I get to sit down with it some more and, and learn more. It is fairly intimidating because, like I said, if you're going to be competitive at this game, really, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, you need to know where everything is safe and where it's not and when they can change it and when they can cancel and all that stuff. And there are just so many damn strings and moves and such. And so it seems a little intimidating on that front. But you also don't have to. You can just mm-hmm. go in and, and do the fun stuff, you know, over and over again. I'm hearing some complaints about Garrus being a little strong right now. Uh, here's Sonya's up there. Here Aaron Black's up there, which is great because that's who I'm using. But as far as stuff being super broken and, and gameplay-wise having issues, I haven't heard too much yet. Yeah, I, I watched a good portion of the Northwest Majors tournament this weekend, and uh, Cetrion is another character that is doing very well, also as new Cybot in terms of tournament. Um, this wasn't the most stacked, you know, major that we've had here for uh, Mortal Kombat 11, but it was one of the first ones. And uh, the character variety is not a strong point right off the bat. Oh, really? uh, I will just say that, yeah. Uh, the characters you've mentioned are all um, definitely um, showing up very strong, uh, along with the characters I just mentioned. Um so we'll see where this one goes, um, but NRS is definitely not afraid to patch their game and to update it very frequently. Um, I'm pretty thrilled with where the game is at right now. Um, I'm very happy for the FGC to have another very high quality, you know, product. Uh, great online play. The patching stuff is, you know, a black eye. So is you know the the unlock, you know, systems and all that. But at least NRS is addressing it pretty quickly, relatively quickly. I will say that I have not gotten my care package yet, and I don't know why, and I don't know if that's the case for anybody else, but it's uh, it went live yesterday, and you're supposed to get like 500,000 coins and a thousand other, you know, the, the other in-game currencies, and I've, you know, turned the game off, turned it on, made sure I was online, played online, um, but I have not gotten that re- reward yet, or that, that I'm sorry gift, so I'm wondering if anybody else is having that issue, or if I'm just dumb and, I, I don't know, didn't click the right button or something, but... Um, I have not gotten mine yet. You do have a review copy too, so maybe that's some kind of like weird thing with that. So maybe they Ooh. want you to buy the game. 
Yeah. Jerks. Yeah. They didn't give me Shao Kahn either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so moving along here, we also have uh, Smash Ultimate being the best-selling fighting game ever. And you did the story on this one. And and how many how many titles has this brilliant game sold? Oh, I, I forget the. It's thirteen point seven four. I can find the the story exactly. Thirteen point eight one million units. Yes. Eight one. Oh, I was off a little bit. Oh, and here it is. Yes. Thirteen point eight one. Now, it's technically the best selling fighting game of all time. Um, this is taking into account when you add up the Street Fighter 2s, so like Street Fighter 2 and then Super Turbo and um, oh, Champion Edition. Mm-hmm. So when you add all those up, it's something like like 12 million, which is slightly less. Um, but those are all individual games. Um, and, and then technically, as far as Street Fighter 2 goes, there's also all of the influence and the playtime that's been done in the arcades over the you know across the globe and all the hours that have been spent there. So there's something to, to be said as far as that goes in terms of you know game popularity and what this all signifies but as far as selling individual copies to a console super smash bros ultimate has in four months time beaten every other single game out there and the only thing that you could maybe argue at this point is that super smash bros for wii u sold on both the 3ds and the wii u and it's got more, it's like 14.85 if you add up both of those, but that's for a handheld and for a console. And it seems like everywhere I looked around to compare, no one counted that as a single game. So technically, Ultimate still beats that out. And man, with how fast it's going, it's probably going to pass that 14.85 million copies sold mark anyway. Uh, but the previous big guy was Brawl, 13.3 million um, and that was back in the days of the Wii, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, but so yeah, it's past that. The fact that it's done this and it's done this this fast—it's just everything's going right for a Nintendo. It seems right now their their Switch is selling like crazy, and then now they have the best-selling fighting game of all time. All right, all right, all right, all right. You're getting a bunch of praise to this, and I'm gonna like throw a wrench in this and just say there's a huge problem with this game, and that problem is a snake. And that's an actual <laughs> snake in the game. MVD one come to Papa three with him, and this damn character is showing up all over the ultimate results, and he's slowing down the entire game. These matches are taking so long to play through. Um, just watching, he's like, just the- getting his box all the time, or what? Oh, what does he, he get it slow stuff down so much? I mean, a- I, I feel like the yeah, Smash yeah. community is used to that with uh, Hungry Boxes, Jigglypuff, and such. They're okay. used to these slow matches. Oh yeah, I, I get this, and I, I get that. I, I accept it. And all the more is also a problem as well in this regard. Um, but Snake is like all over the results. He's showing up, up and down um, at pa- pound twenty nineteen. Uh, he was the second most popular character. Um, and then again at, at uh, Come to Papa 3, second most popular. And he was behind Palutena and Wolf um, at you know those events respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's sh- throwing missiles. He's throwing C4 grenades. All this other, other kind of stuff is going up on the screen. And he just plays this like very heavy controlling zoning game that's kind of hard to navigate around. Um, I don't mind that so much. It's just he's a little bit too dominant and, and damn this stuff is taking so long so um northwest major is going on tekken 7 is going on at the same time as um as a the ultimate tournament at come to papa and i think that that tekken starts up around like four matches in um to to um smash ultimate going on and and they almost end at the same exact time and yeah. okay so tekken 7 was you know best uh three out of, uh two out of three and then like three out of five was grand finals losers finals um uh winners finals um but still like I swear this game is taking 1.5 to two times as long as other titles in the community, especially when compared to the Tekkens and Street Fighters out there. Um, so it's time I, to go to two stocks. Exactly, that's exactly what I was about to get to. Like, I, I I'm not you know ready to to throw that out there just yet, but 
I do think there has to come a point here with um, these games where you have to consider the, the viewership of them, right? And if you've got you know tens of thousand people watching, you, you have to be considerate of their time and and how much you know they can put into it. And I get that Smash is a little bit of a different thing than you know other titles in the FGC um, where, you know, the, the fans are kind of like tuning in for Melee, they're tuning in for, you know, Ultimate, and then, you know, they'll maybe watch Doubles or whatever other kind of stuff. So it's not like they have like 20 games to get through, uh, like, you know, the, the big E tournaments and stuff that we watch, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's less of a thing, but at the same time, it's still like, damn, like this is, it's been going on for five hours, guys. That's too long for a top eight to take place. And, and you need to adjust that out a little bit. So I'm throwing it out there. I think Snake and Olimar potentially are problems. And I, I do think the rules of the game right now are, are potentially issues and i get you know melee four stocks all this kind of stuff like they, they've done so much stuff in the smash community to um to even this stuff out you know maybe it has to be a two out of three format at that point and you just keep it going that way i don't know but i do know for sure that this stuff is going on way too long and i love ultimate too i want to say it is a fun 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 game to watch the character variety is not too bad um it's it, again it's just all these th things are kind of like coming together to make it not a good experience when you're seeing a ton of snake and, and all the more on the screen. So have you seen it across any social media or in any other places, or is it because you're, you know, right there watching these events, you can see it as it's happening and you're kind of about in front of it. Yeah. I, I see it in the Twitch chat. I see it on Twitter a little bit like, damn, this is going on for a long time, you know, and it, I want to be careful because it's mainly just been pound and uh, come to Papa three that I've really noticed it at. But mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, there's been the two last majors, right? Yeah, and if so, it keeps going, then, then we definitely have a, uh, well, probably a problem on our hands. Yeah, exactly. And so it, it's, it's on people's radars. I, I do want to bring it up a little bit more, you know, in this context and, and have people think about it and talk about it. It's, it's stuff matters, right? Um, but yeah. Sure. So getting into other stuff that matters or maybe doesn't matter, depending on your opinion of it, uh, that would be the Sonic trailer came out. Um, and I don't know if I've ever seen a more tone deaf trailer than that one uh, in terms of, of just I had no idea Sonic was a gangster. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> OK. And, and Jim Carrey comes out there and he's. I, I don't know if this is kind of a new thing for him. I, I usually found him funny in the past, but he was way more annoying than funny uh, to me. Ooh, you thought yeah. he was annoying looking. Well, when you say old, like when you're thinking about old Jim Carrey, what era of Jim Carrey or what movies are you thinking well, of? Well, of course, like The Mask, you know, Ace Ventura, all that kind of dumb and dumber. Uh, and okay. uh, not, not, not so much annoying looking, but just his personality didn't come across very well, like as Robotnik. And I don't know, just so many things wrong. Like uh, the trailer was a gigantic turnoff. Uh, even uh, Justin, who was preparing the story of reactions on that, he's like, I can't find people saying positive stuff about this trailer. I, I am, I've looked for about an hour and I, and finally he actually had to go to Sonic mains in uh, smash to find some positive opinions about it. Um, Cause I mean, you know, they love the character. So like they had at least some positive things to say, but it's like universally like bashed right now. So from what I've seen, People are saying that Jim Carrey is the only good part about this trailer. Before I even get into this, let me say I don't think this matters and this will not echo in eternity. And it won't echo in two weeks or at least until we get the next Sonic trailer. Yes, it looks bad considering that it's this big blockbuster or this big, you know, big deal studio Hollywood movie where they have all these resources and they missed the essence of Sonic so much so that it distracts everyone and they can't focus on anything else except for the fact that Sonic looks so goofy and weird and not like Sonic. It's like they went 
halfway to making him, I guess, what they imagined slightly more anatomically correct, but he's like a humanoid hedgehog with red sneakers on. It's like, you don't have to make it look normal. It, there is no normal. The only normal is what he looks like in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are having a hard time with that, and I think that's the main issue, and, and that we love to complain on social media about stuff like this because our lives are great, and that's the things that we have to complain about. But I will jump into it a little bit and say that Jim Carrey <laughs> does look like a... He's the reason I might see this movie. I'll probably see it on Netflix or whatever. I probably won't go to the theater for it. But he has a an old-school Jim Carrey flair that I think comes from that time of The Mask and of Ace Ventura. In recent years, Jim Carrey has been on this weird, super existential, seemingly nihilistic, artistic kick where he just shows up he does like indie movies and he shows up on the red carpet for an interview and he says something that makes no sense and it's like you know what we're you know you think this is important but really we're all just toast we're all toast bro or something like that <laughs> and you go jim where is the like he's just i don't know i think he went through like a divorce or something i don't know what's going on in his life but he seems like completely like all that light and all that jim carrey when he would just get into a role and but really he was just playing jim carrey and that was fine everyone was happy with it that seems like it might be back. It seems like they just they gave him a bald cap and they gave him a goofy mustache and said, go be Jim Carrey. And you have to somewhere in that say these particular lines, but don't, you know, don't break your back over getting there. And he's just going crazy. Now, we've only seen like a few seconds of this trailer to begin with, um, or I mean of, of, of him via this trailer. But he does look like he has that old school Jim Carrey spark, which might be amazing and perfect and awesome but this is the second of the two uh, of, of the second film in the super smash bros universe cinematic universe that we're seeing oh, as uh, detective pikachu's on the way out too so i'm but i'm excited right, hold on, hold for the on. solid sake movie we're, we're gonna go back here we're gonna go back here to jim carrey all right because okay i know you are a huge fan of dumb and dumber yep. and i asked you about dumb and dumber too and i'm like hey should i go watch this and you said did I say no? Because I should have said no. Uh, yeah, that, that's essentially what you said. You said you can watch it if you want to, right? Like, <laughs> and then this is coming from. I so Dumb and Dumber is is like what like your top five like favorite movie like ever. Or something yeah, I used there? to say it was yeah. my favorite. Now I'm not. I just I don't have a favorite, but it's up there. I like it. It's up there. Like I mean, it, it, it's a classic, right? It's I used mm-hmm. to watch it with my family all the time. It's a great movie. Um, and you so the sequel comes out like you know twenty years later, thirty years later, or whatever. Um, it's got a, it's got that gorgeous girl from the Hunger Games, Jay Jennifer Lawrence. There we go. Um, she's like you know in there and all that kind of stuff. There's a there's a bunch of reasons to watch this, right? And you tell people not to. And and so why do you have faith? And Jim Carrey in a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I don't necessarily. Okay, I just, I just, I all I've seen is that I see the light that looks like Jim Carrey of the Mask days, and and maybe that's what we're getting. That in and of itself might be enough to get me to check it out, but I'd have to hear a lot of good reactions to it, uh, specifically about that. I mean, ultimately though, I don't, I don't really care, uh, <laughs> and this all ties in because, like I said. This is a this is the second of the uh, the Smash Cinematic Universe movies, and it means that we might be able to get Robotnik Jim Carrey DLC for Smash in the future, and that's why it's important. We are a fighting games podcast, ladies and gentlemen, and that's how it ties in. Okay, <laughs> I just I just wanted to make sure. So I just you know it's 
it seems like maybe you you did some if, other stuff up in Seattle that we don't know about, and you know the Sonic no, trailer started no, looking no, good no. or something like that. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, there's no judgments here. I it's saw all good. the Sonic trailer yesterday morning when I was here in my own bed. Uh, but I, I mean, imagine what if they did the Jim Carrey DLC? Man, that would be or the Jim Carrey version. Everyone knows it's him. He's like that tall, skinnier, kind of lanky version. Mm-hmm. That would that would make millions. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be a rough transition here. Uh, I don't know how we we get back on track with this, but uh, I will mention that that Mike Ross uh, popped up yesterday on the Untitled Esports Show, and this is kind of a situation I keep seeing it in chat, I keep seeing it on social media, other places that that people want a an explanation of, of what has kind of happened and transpired with Mike. And they're looking for something that would essentially fit like in a tweet. You know, I think they're up to like 240 characters or 280 or whatever they, they've gone up to now. Um, and I, I've followed his story fairly closely. I, I know Mike. Um, I've talked to him a little bit, you know, uh, uh, offline and different things. Um, and I don't think there's really a simple explanation here. And, you know, people want to blame like Street Fighter V or Capcom or esports and a number of other things. You know, like this is why or this is, you know, the exact reason. Um and I'll just I'll throw it out there real quick, and, and I don't want to go over this, you know, for too long here. Um, but I'll just I'll mention that uh, if you want answers, they're going to take some time to delve into. It's not something that, that's super simple. It's very nuanced. It's very you know, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, but if you look at our, listen to our podcast that you did with Mike, um, he even shouted out and said uh, you did a great job with that, which I was very happy to hear, um, and I thought so as well. Um, also look at the RCAP, uh, Ask Me Anything, uh, and then, of course, the Untitled Esports show that they did last night. Um, you know, check that stuff out. It gives you a really good picture of, of what Mike is going through. Um, I very much consider Mike a friend, and he's a damn good dude. He is a damn good person, um, and he's doing what he thinks is right. And I have no issues with his approach or thoughts on that kind of stuff. Like that's, it's just, he's, he's got to do what he's got to do. Um, and when you feel like you, you need to make changes in life, if you don't make those, you go down a very dark and bad path. Uh, I know this from personal experience. Um, and Mike is making those, those changes right now, you know, and, and I think most people are rooting for him. Um, and, and, you know, he's still in the FGC. He's still doing things. Uh, he's still doing, you know, stuff that he wants to do. He's, you know, playing in tournaments, he's playing fighting games and all that kind of stuff. It's just different than what it was. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, at a, a personal level, he hasn't told me anything, you know, I, so I don't know for sure. But I, I think that you're seeing him start to pop up here a little bit more uh, often. And I think that's, you know, somewhat by design. Um, uh, maybe not necessarily, you know, I, I think maybe by design is the wrong one. But he's, you're starting to see signs of him coming back in a more public way. And, and I think that that's, you know, the beginning of some stuff there for him. Yeah, uh, starting to step out into like the, into the community sunlight again a little bit, right? Right, right. And so, I mean, it's just the fighting game community is hardcore. We're really hard, like uh, on, you know, a lot of personalities out there, uh, other stuff like that. But I, I would just encourage everyone to, you know, just say, hey, Mike, you know, good to see you. Um, uh, give him, you know, some shout outs and stuff like that. Show him some love. You know, um, you know, he, he's, he's clearly went through a rough time. And um, it's it's good for people to kind of welcome them back with open arms. And that's most of the feedback I've been seeing out there. But I would just encourage everyone to do that. You know, when you do see him around and stuff, um, he's a very good dude. And he's going through a rough time or went through a rough time. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah. yeah and, and of course, you're not going to be able to put Mike in a 240 character box, right? Um, I don't presume to understand it either. But as I've sat and thought about it, because, you know, Mike's been in a position where He's a very influential and, and high up status person, you know, kind of a leader in the FGC. 
and he kind of walked away from that. And and again, I don't presume to know the details as to why, but I have to imagine if you know you get broad enough and fundamental enough, my to try to get a picture of what it would have been. It was just such a a compromise of of who you are being asked to not. I guess be true to yourself in, in in some respect so much so that it was you know detrimental to his, his own you know being and health and such and that he gave away that level of status or at least put it on hold and walked away from all of that because it was so I, I guess for lack of a more nuanced term just not true and not honest um, and it wouldn't let him be who he wanted to be and it was so so strong that you walk away from all of that, you know, good, or at least that, you know, fame and, and, and status and, and all that, that's very alluring to, to all of us, you know? Um, so it, whatever it, you know, the details of it were, it's like, this is some pretty powerful and, and serious stuff. And, um, and again, as we've said many times, we wish Mike the best, and I hope that it all goes well for him and that he's able to to come back at whatever capacity is, is appropriate. Obviously the, the level he was, running at or the rhythm that he was dancing to before wasn't the right one for him. Hopefully he can find that and come back and be in the FGC um, at that capacity. So it's very nice to see him getting out and talking again and, and sharing and opening up a little bit more, sharing at least some of his feelings about, um, you know, his dealings with Street Fighter Five and esports and all of that. Yeah, I'll just say on a personal level that uh, I walked away from a corporate America job. Um, my uh, the former newspaper I, I worked at, uh, still going now, but um, uh, they were owned uh, by Scripps Howard, which is you know they put on the, the infamous spelling bee um, that's on like ESPN, and they also own uh, Home and Garden Television and the Food Network. Um, I walked away from a corporate America job to start Event Hubs. And the, the website started taking off. Uh, it's it's very much uh, uh, we have a, a running joke around here that we we still live with our parents usually when we start you know working here. <laughs> uh, we do migrate away from that. Um, but like when you first start on the job, it's not like you know you're making bank or anything like that. And I don't you know I I know everyone's salaries. We're not making bank here. Um, we're we're getting by. Uh, we're doing okay for ourselves. Um, we love doing this. Um, I started to hate myself and hate my existence when I was working for a corporation. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's a huge reason why event hubs exist. And I'm so happy and thankful to be able to do this in the fighting game community. Um, there are a lot of behind the scenes de- details that I know about are seen that I can't exactly, I won't get into right now. Uh, not all of them are, not many of them actually has to do with my cross, just kind of our, our culture and where we're at. And I can say there's some very rough situations that go on at these, these companies and places that we love, you know, in, in very, very rough situations. Um, and so I don't, I do not begrudge anyone wanting to distance themselves from that. It, it takes a very thick skin and a, a, so much determination and other things to get through it. I personally give up on it. You know, it's not the FGC side of it, but, you know, the corporate America type thing, at least for the time being. And I'm very happy I did. Uh, again, I but not everyone's like is lucky um, to be able to run like an FGC website and to be able to work for one. It, it's we are so damn lucky to be able to do this for for a living. Um, and, and and so, yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll kind of throw that out there, there to to paint a little bit more of the picture here for people um and, and just I, I i share some stuff in common i think a little bit with mike and I, so i really feel for him there so yeah absolutely that makes that makes sense and and i agree 100 percent. i i often when i'm you know taking account of my lucky stars and such being able to do this right about video games are you kidding me like thank you 
thank you, God, universe, whatever, lucky stars, John, <laughs> that yeah, I can do this. Jim so Carrey. I, I think we Jim Carrey. <laughs> by the way, how did you go from, did you set that up in your notes? Like, we're going to go from Sonic to Mike Ross? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know how I was going to transition to that one. But actually, well, we're going to go ahead and transition away from this one right now before it gets even more weird. But I want to talk about Cobra Kai season two, damn it. Into Cobra Kai? Into what Cobra Kai. Kai. It's like a wild That's my wall. headline for this. It's Sonic, Mike Ross, Cobra Kai, and G. And that's all I'll need, man. People will be here. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So I watched season two of this. And I, I, first off, I want to say that that Karate Kid has huge FGC ties for people who grew up in that era, right? Uh, Capcom even did a video for Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, which is a mouthful. But it was an homage to the Karate Kid tournament where um, you're the best around nothing's yep. ever going to keep you down like that that part that's the only time you're going to hear me sing on the podcast but anyway darn i was um, hoping you'd do the whole thing yeah but that, that's it anyway so they, they put that in their video and it's like it's a tournament like collage type thing it was great it, it it went over well um so if you're not from that era you may not understand it but but karate kid was a huge thing my brothers and i each like in our parents backyard like set up like fills and they were all the dojo and like we all fought over like if we could have the cobra kai name and stuff like that i don't know why super yeah. dojo their their logo is a big cobra and it's based i believe it's based off of the cobra kai logo right exactly all right so you're actually not going to get any spoilers at all uh over here so we're going to go spoiler free but the first season of cobra kai was like zeku right now you're not expecting a lot your expectations are pretty low. If you if you watch Karate Kid three, the series did not go to a good spot, and then they they, they brought in like Hillary Swank like for the next Karate Kid, and oh, it was there was a lot of bad stuff going on there. Hmm. Um, so so it's like Zeku in that you're heavily surprised by how much quality and entertainment you're actually getting from it. You're, you're seeing like an old friend, like you you know what guy getting ported up to like a, you know a, a, a Street Fighter five version or whatever. Um, it's something. It's brand new. It's fun. It's great. You you just don't see it coming. It comes out of nowhere. It hits people hard, just like Zeku. Then we get into season two, and then it's like Sagat. It's Aww. yeah. It's it's not bad, but it's not great either. You're kind of expecting a big time return to form. It's Sagat. Expectations are high, right? Uh, and then you get in there and you realize your expectations aren't going to be met. And and that's where season two comes in. So it, it's still a fun ride for the most part. Um, you're going to you're you're going to enjoy the journey. You're still playing Sagat. It's still fun, right? But but at the end, uh, you feel like it could have been more and should have been more for that matter. And and you're you're kind of waiting for what what's going to come next in future seasons to see what really develops just like Sagat like he's not in a great spot right now but you know in a future season or two you figure like he could really develop into something that's where kind of Cobra Kai like season two ends up at so that's sad to hear I, I haven't seen season two yet I really appreciated season one I thought it was really good um it was well done um like when everything is going back to the nostalgia remember this do you remember this it's cool dumb and dumber too uh, this was not a Dumb and Dumber 2. It was really good. And um, and they played with the nostalgia, but they didn't make it just based off of, you know, show me the doll again. Oh, that's funny. I laugh at it. It was more nuanced and sophisticated, and it had its own legs to stand on with some memorable characters. And that was really cool. So I'm sad to hear that season two wasn't as great. Should I check it out? It's it's Sagat. You know, is, is Sagat worth checking out in Street Fighter Five? Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it, but you, you can hear how unenthusiastic that was, right? You're like, I've yeah, actually, that's I'm supposed to update people on my adventures with Sagat. I've I've changed from Colleen, who I wasn't having fun with, to Sagat, who's fun. But it's uh, if we're if we're doing this because it's clear that Nikali doesn't have the tools to get stuff done. Um, there are plenty of areas where Sagat just doesn't have the tools to get stuff done. So again, he's fun playing his game of fireballs and doing standing light kicks into DP. Uh, confirm or, or well, I guess more buffers, but sometimes confirms is really cool. And he's got some really satisfying sequences. But is he going to win major tournaments? No. Hopefully Bon Chen wins a major tournament now next weekend with him, and that'd be great. Totally eat that one just for, to see that happen. But yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at right now with Sagat. He's fun it, it's enough. I play him when I'm in the loser's bracket sometimes, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, Bon Chen did just win a major tournament using Sagat as an alt. I mean, it did just happen. Like, Did he, he win the tournament with He Sagat? won the tournament with versus Masters. Um, he won the tournament. It was it was Karen mostly, though. He, he only used Sagat like, against Zeku and a few other characters. It was mainly Karen. So. Did he use Sagat in Grand Finals? He no, because I would have I would have yeah. seen footage. Yeah, of you that definitely immediately yeah. if it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm we're we're trying something new here. You know, we're we're gonna start comparing like you know pop culture stuff to Street Fighter stuff. So hopefully people like that. Uh, the next bit is is gonna be me comparing my sex life to Chun Li. You know, it's big, Ooh. it's fun, but yeah, you know, it's very footsie based. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, moving on. So um, I just I want to I want to mention a few more things here about Cobra Kai that it's it's kind of like every fighting game story mode ever where people like break out and fight for no reason uh except the only reason is that there hasn't been a fight for a while right it it's essentially like i don't like your shoes he's like oh yeah well i think my shoes are badass and boom a fight breaks out and and that's pretty much what you're looking at here so it's it's fun it's you it's very campy in a lot of regards um you're definitely going to see some v-trigger you know popping going on where characters get the crap beat out of them and boom they pop v-trigger uh you know the special effects don't happen but you're like you could just tell you know v-trigger got popped right because the music starts exactly and then boom Mm -hmm. come back dead uh robbery character all over the place um so yeah (laughs) Anyway, I'm still in. I'm still in on season three. Uh, I'm gonna ride it out. I'm I'm waiting for Sagat to get good. You know, he, he halfway won a major or like quarter won a major or something like that. I'll plunk down my twelve bucks again. You know, for season three, and, and I'll try this out. Uh, you know, it, we'll see where it goes. Um, but yeah, it, it, if we go into any more detail here, we're gonna hit like spoiler territory, which we're trying to completely dodge. Um, but we're gonna teach you everything we can about Cobra Kai through Street Fighter and other fighting games. I'm excited. I'm excited for Game of Thrones spoilers next week. There we go. <laughs> All right. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up here for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. And once again, thank you all for listening. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks a lot.